0: In all our cars, in the glove compartment, there is a book. It's called the owner's manual. It's the book that you never open up. (laughs) It is the book that when you sell your car 15 years later, the book is brand new. (laughs) Because you've never read it. Now in that book, it is written that you need to put gasoline in your car for it to work. It's actually written down. Now, some of us might feel that that's a little restrictive. That's a little tight in terms of rules, right? What if I want to put water in my car? I'm free to decide what I want to put in my car. Shouldn't I be free? What if I want to, because I'm from Quebec, what if I want to put maple syrup in my car? <laughs> That'd be more expensive than gas, but, but you see... The engineer that designed the engine of my car said, if you want to benefit from the car, you need to put gasoline because that's how I made and built the car, right? Well, the engineer of our lives gave us a manual. And some people say, well, it's a little restrictive. No, it's not. If you understand that the engineer of our heart, the engineer of our being designed us in such a way that if we obey what's written here, that's where we'll have abundant life. And so today I want to look at some principles that we'll find here in order to build our houses, build our marriages, to have success in our homes. And we're going to look first of all at Psalms 127 and the verse one, it says this, unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it unless the Lord builds it. So what I want to do today is use the the image of a house as an illustration on our marriages, our homes, and how to build them. Now. Now. You may have noticed by now that I have an accent. Well, that's because I'm French. And so sometimes if there's a word that I'm saying, it sounds a little weird. Take out the H or add one in. And it should make sense. I hope. So let's look at a house. What do we need? First of all, we need a foundation to the house. And I want to look at the four corners of a foundation to build our houses, to build our homes upon, our marriages upon. And we'll find this in Genesis 2, verse 24 to 25, where it says this, Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother, and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And they were both naked, the man and his wife, and they were not ashamed. There's four elements here. And, and listen very carefully to the process. There's, there's an order here. In, 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 see, I think I put an H there, did I? No, I didn't. There's order here in the process of building the foundation. So the first corner is separation. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother. He shall leave. See, if I want to build a family, if I want to build a new home, I have to leave my previous home that is i have to leave my childhood home i have to leave my parents it means that it's like a separation from when i was like when i was born they had to cut the umbilical cord right so that i could grow walter trobisch wrote this he says a newborn baby cannot grow unless the umbilical cord is cut likewise a marriage cannot grow unless there is a true separation from the family of your growing up. You shall leave your parents. That doesn't mean you cut all contacts with them. That doesn't mean that. I mean, you stay in relationship, but you are no longer dependent on your parents. See, if you want to build your home, you can no longer be dependent on your parents. It means cutting off childish behavior. It means that you are no longer dependent on your parents for finances, for your emotions, for physically dependent on them. And it's, the idea is not to be independent, but to be autonomous. If I want to build my home, I have to be autonomous. So I have to cut off those childish Behavior. I have to cut off also my childish way of looking at life. In other words, your wife is not your mother, your husband is not your daddy. See, I grew up in a home. I'm old enough that it, back in those days, mommy stayed at home, right? And not only did I grow up with mummy at home, but grandma was staying with us. Oh, it was wonderful. Whatever mommy did not pick up, grandma would come by and pick it up. Oh, these were the good old days. Didn't have to pick up my dirty socks, didn't have to make my bed, didn't have to make my own meal, didn't have to clean. Mommy and grandma were there. Once I got married, I had to leave that. And my wife quickly reminded me. (laughs) But not only do I have to leave childish behavior and thinking, I have to leave teenage, adolescent thinking. See, in adolescence, it's very normal. In adolescence, we try to find out who we are. That's why in adolescence, during those teenagers, children will become rebellious. They're not really rebellious. They're just trying to find themselves, right? And so they really don't want to be like their parents for a season. That's okay. Because they're they're in a quest to find out who they are. They want to be individual, right? They want to be their own person, right? And they all dress the same. (laughs) But that's okay. It's a process. But in our teenage years... We're very focused, we're self-centered. Teenagers are self-centered. That's the season in life and it's normal. But when you enter into marriage, when you enter into a relationship of marriage, you have to leave this behind. It's no longer about you. There's somebody else involved now. So you have to leave certain behavior. Now it doesn't mean that you cannot hang around with your friends. But it means the priority is not your friends, it's your wife or it's your husband. I counseled a young couple and they had children and they had four children. And she said to me, I don't have four kids, I have five. (laughs) And this is what he did. On Saturdays, when he had a day off, he would spend the entire day playing on video games. I said, you're not serious, are you? He says, yeah, why? What's wrong with that? (laughs) Well, I'll tell you what's wrong with that. You're married now. You have to leave this way of thinking. You also have to leave your years as a single person. You're no longer single. That means that when you decide some things, you, you cannot decide something just on your own, because you're no longer single. That means, husband, that your eyes are only for your wives. <laughs> I see many wives applauding right now, and <laughs> some husbands are. Going... <laughs> but your eyes are only for her now. See, because you left. Renouncing all others, right? And then you focus only on her. So I have to leave. And then I have to be joined. In French, the word that's translated here by to be joined, it's actually to be tied up. It's to be tied up. It's an interesting thing, isn't it? So it's a decision. It's a commitment to one another. And it's a monogamous decision. It includes any other possibility. It, I renounce any other possibilities. It's a question of loyalty. It's a question of commitment. Now this is not rigid. It, it, it's not, uh, it doesn't cut off our, our lives. It, it's, it's a mutual support. We're committed to each other. The Hebrew word here that's translated to be joined means to be stuck together. It means to grab on, hang on for dear life. That's what marriage is all about. When you make that commitment and you're joined to your wife, you're joined to your husband, you say, okay, now we're going to hang on to each other. No matter what the storms will come and what will be, we're hanging on to each other. Until death do us part. Till death do us part. See, very early on in our marriage, my wife and I decided that we were in it till death do us part. And so we decided that we eliminated the word divorce. The divorce is no longer part of our language. And for 34 years now, we've never said the word divorce. It's never been said. Now, murder came up two or three times, (laughs) but not divorce. (laughs) See, there's a a seal of God on your marriage. God has put his stamp on your marriage. And in Matthew 19, it says this, so then they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no man separate. See, you got to commit, you're joining, you're committing to one another. And we need to remind ourselves of this. We need to remind ourselves of our commitment to one another till death do us part. Sometimes we forget. Sometimes we take it for granted. But it's good to remind ourselves. And one of the ways we can remind ourselves of that is to have a long-term plan for our marriage. We heard about that yesterday at the conference, but we have, my wife and I have a plan for our retirement. I don't know when it's going to be. I don't know if it's going to (laughs) be, but we have plans. We want to grow old together. Now yesterday, if you were here, you saw something that was absolutely unbelievable. Now, I've been pastoring for over 30 years. I've done marriage counseling. I've done marriage conference for for a lot of years. But I never saw what we saw yesterday. When it came to the renewing of the vows, I was ready that we were going to stand there and repeat after me. But Pastor Carter and Pastor Teresa just brought us in to a level of, of vulnerability, of transparency. And what an example What an example that was. As we were encouraged and we were asked then to follow suit and renew our vows. See, that was teaching by example. And Times Square Church, you're blessed to be under this leadership. You're really blessed. You're really blessed. So it's to be joined to become one flesh. There's a unity here. See, that's the miracle of marriage. And it's so different than just living together. We're not not just living together. We're becoming one flesh. It's a lifetime project where two different people. With two different personalities. Two different backgrounds. Two different level of experiences. Two different kind of wounds. Are united to form... A new entity. Now it's not fusional. It's not one that disappears into the other. No, no, no. It's a union. Where the two become one. It's like two dancers. That dance to the same music. And they are in perfect unity. They complete each other. That's what God is calling us to. This is what God is inviting us to. But if it's one flesh, it also means that it's alive. That there's a growing process through this. See? And they shall become one flesh. Did you see how it's written? That there's a process in it. Shall become. We are more one flesh today after 34 years than we were in the first year of marriage. As we are growing together. Becoming more and more. In tune with each other. Have you noticed that sometimes there's people that have been married for a long, long time, and they almost look alike. <laughs> Physically. I mean, have you noticed that? Isn't that amazing? There, you can really become one flesh? You look at these two and say, "Wait a minute, are you brother and sister? What's going on here?" <laughs> right? But they've been married so long. You see. We're called to be one flesh. So that means your spouse is not your enemy. Let me repeat this. Your spouse is not your enemy. See, I have many couples that come into my office, and if I have words to ask, who's your enemy in your life, they'll point at each other. <laughs> no, she's not your enemy. He's not your enemy. You're called to become one flesh. One flesh. And towards what? Towards divine intimacy. To be naked and unashamed. And we've talked about that on the weekend. See, the goal of God. It's his thought. It's his project. It's his idea. That we would live such intimacy in, in our marriages. That's not just physical intimacy. Although it includes physical intimacy. It does include sexual relationship. And sex is God's idea. And I think it was a good idea. But he put it. Did you see the process where he's putting it? Leave. Join. We're committing to become one flesh. Intimacy. Follow the process. Follow the steps here. Okay. But it's not just sexual intimacy that God is calling us to. He's calling us to emotional Being naked emotionally. To share with each other what I'm going through. To share what's in my heart. Sometimes men will not share to their wives what's going on in their heart. Because they don't want to worry their wives. Because they're concerned about certain things. and I don't want to talk to my wife about this. Because I don't want her to get worried. She's already worried enough. I don't want to pile it on. But you know it creates more insecurity. When you don't know what's going on in the other one's life. So it's much better that you tell her or you tell him, this is what's going on in my heart. But more than just emotional, it's also spiritual intimacy. That we can be naked spiritually. That means I'm sharing what God is putting on my heart. I'm sharing the word together. I'm sharing what, what conviction that God is putting on my heart. The dreams that God is giving me. I'm sharing what I'm sensing that God is, wants to lead us. What's the next step? What, who are the people we, he wants us to minister to? I, I need to talk. We need to talk to each other. We're, we're one flesh. We're in this together. So we need to be naked spiritually. That means we pray with each other. But we also pray for one another. I know what I need to pray for my wife. I know what's in her heart. I know what her prayer requests are. I know that. She knows what she needs to pray for me. See, there's there's a nakedness that is spiritual. It's spiritual. So when you're naked and not ashamed, that means there's no secret. There's no secret. There's no secret. Last May, I was invited to go to France and to do 10 days of ministry. And I left in such a rush that I forgot my cell phone in my office. I left it behind. And to be honest with you, I went through a panic attack at the airport. How am I gonna survive without my phone? Isn't that amazing? I'm old enough to remember there were years that you could only go as far as the wire would lead you to get for the wire the phone, right? There used to be a life without a phone. (laughs) And maybe it was a good life. (laughs) Anyway. So I left my phone. So I called my wife. And I said, sweetheart, would you please go to the office? I I forgot my phone. I left it behind. I don't want to leave it in the office for 10 days. Just go and pick it up. And I'll, you know, when I get home, I'll, I'll have it. Right? Now, my wife has my password to my phone. And I slept very well. She could access everything. I don't even know if she did. (laughs) She could access all my text messages. She could access all my email accounts. She could access all my Facebook account and Messenger account and whatever else account that's on this, right? Because we have nothing to hide. We're naked and unashamed. (laughs) I know men that sleep with their phone under the pillows. And they tell me with a straight face. I have nothing to hide. So how come she doesn't have the password? How come you're sleeping with it under your pillow? What are you worried about? Leave it at the door. Leave it on the kitchen. At the kitchen table. It doesn't matter. If there's nothing to hide. You're naked and not ashamed. You're naked. There's no secret. See, that's true intimacy with each other. There's no secret. There's no secret. So let's move on to the walls. Now that we've established the four corners of the foundation, let's go up to the walls now. And we'll find after we look at the four corners of of, of separating, of leaving and joining and the unity and the intimacy, now we can start to build the walls. And in Proverbs 24, verse 3 to uh, 5, we have, this is what's written here. Through wisdom, a house is built. And by understanding, it is established. By knowledge, the rooms are filled with all precious and pleasant riches. A wise man is strong. Yes, a man of knowledge increases strength. There are four walls here that we can look at. The first wall is the wall of wisdom. Through wisdom, a house is built. Wisdom. That means... That we have a wider perspective on life. We talked about man being like waffles. We're stuck in our little corners. (laughs) We like our boxes. Well, wisdom is, wait a minute. I get the wider view of the picture. And not only do I have a wider perspective, I have a deeper perspective as well. That's wisdom. Wisdom. I'm looking for something deeper. I have an understanding. and I have a wisdom that's deeper. And you see what my wisdom is. Is that if I throw a a rock in the water. There will be rings and little waves that will go around it. Right? Now if I throw the rock in the water. And I said oh man I should not have thrown that rock. And I go in and I get the rock out. The waves will still take place. So it's the same thing in our relationship. And it's the same thing in our marriage. That sometimes we hurt each other. And we regret it. We express repentance. But we forget. Wisdom says, yeah, but there will be some waves." In other words, if I hurt you. And I say, please forgive me. And you forgive me. The pain might not go away right away. And I may have lost your trust. So wisdom tells me that. We need... Wisdom to address problems. Wisdom also means patience. We need to be patient with each other. We understand we have wisdom. The second wall is understanding. It says, and by understanding, it is established. Understanding means that we comprehend. We have an understanding of what life is all about and what marriage is all about. And if you don't understand everything... Please understand this, if you can just leave with this law, if you can just leave with this understanding today. Here it is, you ready? You reap what you sow. If you're sowing a tomato, you're not going to reap cucumbers. It's that simple, right? So, let me ask you this. What are you sowing in your relationship? What are you sowing in your homes? What are you sowing in your marriage? If all you're sowing are criticism and bitterness and complaining and disrespect, guess what you're going to reap? If you want your teenagers to be respectful to their parents. To be respectful to their mothers. Husband, you better show the example and be respectful to your wife. You got to sow respect if you want to reap respect. You got to sow grace if you want to reap grace. You have to sow mercy if you want to reap mercy. What are you sowing in your relationship? And that's way beyond just the relationship of marriage and the home. It's in our entire life. What are you sowing around you? The third wall is called knowledge. Knowledge. It says, by knowledge, the rooms are filled with all precious and pleasant riches. Knowledge means that we have a lot to learn when it comes to marriage. Marriage. Some of us have had a wonderful inheritance from our parents. We grew up in a beautiful family. And so we've, we've learned so many great lessons and we know how to do this. But some of us, that's not our experience. And some of us, we go into marriage and we wanna succeed. We wanna build a great home, but we lack knowledge. And so that means we have to go and find knowledge. That's why I was so blessed and, and encouraged that Times Square Church decided to have a conference on marriage. Because they got it. We need some teaching. We need knowledge how to succeed. Right? Right? one thing my wife and I have done throughout our our years, and I've just noticed that in in the recent few years, we've always seemed to have friends that were kind of a a step ahead of us in life. That, you know, when we had teenagers, we had friends that had teenagers, but we had a couple of friends that were empty nesters. So what, what does that look like? Right? Well, for a while it looked like heaven. But now we have a close, I have a close friend. He's about 12 years older than I am. He's at a different level. He's at a different stage in life. And I sat down with him one night and we were having supper and it was just the two of us. And I looked at him and I said, what would you do differently? If you could go back 12 years, what would you do different that now, that you know now that you did not know 12 years ago What would you do different? And he told me. You see, I was trying to learn. I was getting knowledge. See? Because it's the first time I'm I'm at where I'm at. But he hadn't been there. And I was open to say, I need more knowledge. You need to have more knowledge. We need to keep an open mind to learn and to learn Because this is a great adventure. And so we need knowledge. And the last wall is to have strength. It says that um, a wise man is strong. Yes, a man of knowledge increases strength. Here's the reality. That if you have all the wisdom, you have all the understanding, you have all the knowledge, it will be totally unuseful. It will be totally worthless if you don't put it in practice. You can read all the books. Go to all the conferences. Read all the scriptures about it. But it comes a time when you have to put it in practice. And that will take effort. That will take strength. That means you have to work on it. And you have to put it in practice. Isn't that what Jesus said? That the wise man builds a house. And he listens to the commandment of God. And he puts them in practice. And his house is built on the rock. But the foolish man, he hears the commandment of God. He hears the teaching, but he doesn't do it. And his house is built on the sand. And when the storm comes, it wipes out the house. It comes comes back to putting it in practice. What I've always been fascinated about that scripture, when Jesus uses that image, is that the storm came on both houses. It will come. Life, there will be storms. It's what you're founded on. Are you putting in practice what you know? So that will have to be, you'll we'll need strength. And we'll have to obey. So let's look at the roof now. That we've had the four walls. And it's Psalm 1, 2, and 7. We read it earlier. Unless the Lord builds the house, they'll labor in vain who build it. Because some of you are listening to me. You're looking at all this and you say, well, that's impossible. I can't do this. Some of you are single and you're looking at this. Oh man, I I can't do this. I don't have what it takes to, 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 to do this. I don't have what it takes to, re, to, to have success and, and build a home and build a marriage and build that kind of relationship till death do its part. Wow, I don't have that kind of strength for commitment. I don't have that kind of wisdom. I don't have that kind of knowledge. Well, I have good news for you. See, God says, I'll be there. I'll be the roof. I'm going to hold everything together. Because you know the roof, once you put the roof on the house, that's what gives strength to all the walls, everything stays in place. Now it's strong. And God is saying, I'm gonna be the roof. And whatever you need, I'm gonna give it to you. You see, we don't have success in our marriage and in our homes because we're good or because we have talents or because... No, it's because of God. It's because of God. And so we need to go to him. Say, Lord, build my house. Build my marriage. Protect it. So we need to have that covering. Look at Proverbs 2, 2, verse 6. It says, for the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. Whoa, that's exactly what I needed. That's exactly the walls of my house. That's exactly. And it says, the Lord will give it to me. James 1, verse 5 says, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all liberally and without reproach. And it will be given to him. God will give you what you need. God will give you the strength to have success in your home. He will give you what you need. He'll give you the strength. It says what God has joined together. We read it earlier. What God has joined together. This is not just two human beings deciding to live together and to spend the rest of their lives together. No, no, there's an action of God. There's an act of God. It's I'm going to join the two of you. I'll be the roof. I'll be your protection because the roof protects what's in the house. So I'll be the protection over your marriage. I'll be your protection over your home. I'll be protection over your heart. I'll be your protection. I will cover you. I will cover you. See, we need God's covering. We need God's covering. you don't have to look very far to realize that if you're married and you're happily married, oh, you're on the radar. There's somebody that's not happy with that. There's somebody that's, you're going to be a target. And that's when you need to have the covering of God on your life and on your marriage and on your home. You say, well, Pastor, my marriage is doing well. Well, don't take it for granted. Because there may be a storm coming. I'm always reminded of the old TV show, Star, uh, star Trek. Remember that show? When it, the, the, the commander would say, Shields up. Right? And the other space, You don't know what I'm talking about, do you? <laughs> That's what you feel like. When, oh. It used to be a TV show, a spaceship, star, you know, a shield. <laughs> Aliens would attack and they wouldn't work because it was a shield. All right. (laughs) Covering. Okay, let's go back with covering. (laughs) I lost half the congregation here. Oh, I feel old now. We need God's covering. Because you're going to be a target. Here's why you're going to be a target. Because I believe with all my heart. That the foundation of our society. And the foundation of the church. Is marriage and families. I really believe this. Because your church cannot be more united than your homes are. If you can't stand your wife and she's coming with, to church with you, you can have more unity in the church than you had at home. And that's why the enemy wants to destroy that. Just at the hotel, we were checking in late Friday night. And there was a lady that was welcoming us at the hotel and she says that. Uh, something going on at Times Square Church this weekend. There's a lot of people that seem to be uh, coming in. So we said, yeah, there's a marriage conference. Said, oh, and she looked at me. She said, are you one of the guest speaker? I said, yes, I am. And she looked at me and she said, how long have you been married? And I looked at her, I said, 34 years and her face changed. She says, 34 years. I said, yeah, 34 years. Yeah. I'm happy. 34 years. Yeah. (laughs) On three different occasions while we're checking in, she said, so 34 years. (laughs) I don't know if she's here because I invited her to come on the weekend. I said, come on Sunday. I'm here on on the weekend as well. Maybe she came. I, I hope so. Because in her eyes, I saw something. A hope. You mean it's possible? You mean, you're mean telling me that it's still possible in this day and age. That we can be married for all our lives. That we can be happy. And the answer is yes, it is possible. Yes, it is possible. Your pastor is an example of 42 years, 42 years. It's possible. That's part of our responsibility as those of us who have been married for a long time, for all the young people and the younger ones that are getting married. Because you see, I believe that in the heart of every human being, there's that hope. Can I have somebody to share my life with? can i have somebody that I can be naked and unashamed with for the rest of my life can, can there be someone there to build a home to build a family and if you're here today and that's your hope but you don't know jesus that's where it starts see i had that hope growing up but i didn't get saved till i was 22 and i knew that the way i was and what i was doing and where the way i was thinking there was no way it would be possible to get married and to have a family. It wasn't possible, not with the kind of man that I was. But with God, all things are possible. All things are possible. So you need the roof. You need the roof. We need God. We need God. And with God, it's possible to have a healthy home, a solid marriage. A solid home. Now I would like to pray for you. See, I was so impressed that during the entire weekend, many of you single people were here. And I thought, wow, Lord, this is incredible. Because for many of you, there's a hope. There's a hope. But you're scared. You're scared because of what you see around you. You wonder if it's still possible. Maybe you saw it in your own family. Maybe you saw it in your parents. Maybe you were disappointed with people. Maybe you went through some really hard relationship that just left you so broken. So broken. But the hope is there. The dream is there. Now let me say this to you. You are no less valuable than someone that's married. In Christ, we have our identity and our value. And if you're involved in a relationship when there's not that mutual respect, he doesn't deserve you. Well, amen for that. I want to pray for you. Because I know some of you are scared. You're scared of commitments. I understand that. Commitment is so rare these days. And you think, I can't do this. Well, neither can I. But by God's grace. So, Father, I pray for every single person that just stood. Oh, Father, I just pray for your blessing on them. Lord, there's some that are standing. They're single right now. and. It wasn't the plan that they had for their lives at the age where they're at now. That's not what they thought was going to happen. That wasn't the dream. That wasn't the hope. But because of divorce or because of of difficulties or whatever the reasons are, now they're single. Would you come and minister to their heart right now? You said you came to heal the brokenhearted. To minister to them? That each one realize that when they feel so lonely at times... That you are right there with them. That they are in the safety of your arms. So I pray that you would help them. I know some of them are scared. Would you give them strength? Would you give them knowledge, understanding, and wisdom? Would you give them security that if they look upon you, they will find what they need? That it's okay to dream. That it's so okay to still have the dream and the hope. That with you, all things are possible. Now I'm going to ask all the married couples to stand. And join all these single people. And I want to pray for the married ones. Lord, I pray for all the married couples in this house. Paul said... That the image of the relationship of Jesus and the church. Is represented by the relationship of marriage between a husband and a wife. And Lord I pray that you would really impact this on our heart and on our mind right now. That it's not just about us. It's about you. We are reflecting your glory. We are to be called, called evangelists. In terms of our marriage so that people in the world can see that Jesus is there and he's alive. So I pray for restoration. Some are here and they're broken. Their relationship is just hanging on by a thread. So I pray you give them strength. I pray you give them wisdom. pray you give them understanding and knowledge. Give them the strength to say, no, we're going to go on. Because what God has joined together... We're not going to let anything and anyone separate. So we're going to hang on. We're going to work it out. We may need to have outside help and we'll ask for help. But we're going to stay for the long run. Till death do its part. So I pray for your blessing on every home that's here. Represented here. For your glory Jesus. And in your name. And everybody said. Amen. 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 Amen.